there's a fine line between making sure people know that you're a realtor, that you're not an undercover agent, and pushing them away with annoyance because all you talk about is real estate. So the question is this, how do most agents who don't have access to the secrets the top agents in our industry hoard themselves, grow and prosper in today's real estate market? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Muchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Hi, Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui, and I am so excited to share with you our newest head podcast sponsor, You know, and this is a company called Rent Ready. Rent Ready is a landlord-tenant software that has everything you need to manage your rentals from your phone or your computer. No need to be tech-savvy, download multiple programs, or hire a specialist. Rent Ready is easy to use for everyone, and if you do have a question, their customer support team is available to make sure managing your properties doesn't have to be harder than it already is. Rent Ready has a feature for every step of the landlord process. You can list your vacancy for free to Realtor.com and Doorsteps, find quality tenants with a full tenant screening process, send and e-sign leases right from the app, and track maintenance requests. Yes, there really is one app for all of that. Best of all, not only is Rent Ready easy to use with awesome customer service, but it's affordable as well. Get a subscription of Rent Ready for as little as $1 a year when you sign up for their annual plan using code ROCKSTAR. That, now that's crazy, a dollar a year, why wouldn't you go sign up just to see, even if you've got one tenant or wanna try it with one of them? So that's right, you get a whole year of Rent Ready for just one dollar when you sign up at rentready.com, it's spelled R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com, using code ROCKSTAR. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Muchastegui, and I am back for another episode with you today. Today, I get to talk to Colton Simmons. Colton has a company called Custom Fit Real Estate. So his real estate office is in Las Vegas. We're going to get to talk a lot about what's happening in the Las Vegas market. He also has some different things that his team and him do in order to get sales. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing that and his story of how he went from construction into real estate. So Colton, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much. So the so you live out in, in Las Vegas. The when did you become an agent? So I I technically took the test in 2009 when I got done playing professional baseball and I passed it and I was using it for kind of my own use and then once I got to the point where the construction side of my life was really dominating, I actually let my license go for a couple of years and then I had to retest in 2012 and passed it. And then since basically 2012, 13, I've really focused on the growth of the real estate side and just mm -hmm. had the construction side, just be a, a tool to the real estate team. So the, so you very quickly skipped over after I was playing professional baseball and then went into construction. What is that transition like? So the, so you were, how long did you play baseball? So I mean, my whole life, um, I wanted to be either a 
general contractor or professional baseball player. So in school, I would get in trouble for not sleeping, but drawing floor plans of office buildings that I wanted to build and, you know, houses I wanted to build. And um, my mom was a realtor. So I would go on her MLS and I would search for land and draw floor plans of houses I was going to build. And then I'd run to baseball practice. So um, I went to Durango High School here in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, and uh, I was drafted out of high school. I played about six years with the Tampa Bay Rays organization, um, and then I had a rough off season in 2008, and um, uh, I had my mom pass away, and her and I were very close, and then my wife at the time said, hey, um, I'm pregnant, so I just said, you know, I think I'm done. I so I called uh, my minor league coordinator, who was Mitch Lukovic. And I still remember his name. And I said, hey, Mitch, I, I think I'm done. I'm, I think I'm going to retire. And he was just like, oh, my gosh, you know. So from there, I was like, all right, so what am I going to do with my life? And I always wanted to be a general contractor, but I always had that kind of real estate side of me, too. So I just kind of hybrided it together and started doing both. And at the time, we were just starting kind of like the recover, like I wouldn't say the recovery, we were kind of right in the middle of the, like 2009, nobody really knew what was going on, banks weren't lending. So I had my license, but I wasn't really getting too much business that way. So I focused on the construction side of things, residential remodels, small tenant improvements were commercial, that kept me busy. And then eventually I just got burnt out on the construction side of things. And I was like, you know, I want to get full time and focus on real estate. And so that's, that's what I did is I made a commitment to really start focusing on real estate. And, um, and by 2013, I was rookie of the year at Kelly Williams. And then from there, I closed 20 deals, then 36 deals, then 42 deals, then 47 deals. And then I was like, all right, I'm overwhelmed. I need to start a team. So I don't want to get too far ahead of you, but that's when I decided to kind of start the custom fit real estate group. And, and then from there, that's where uh, we ended up. Rockstar Nation, this is Aaron Amuchastegui. Hey, I hate to interrupt the current podcast that you're listening to, but I am so excited to share this with you. I just finished interviewing the original host of this podcast, my good friend, Pat Hyben. Yeah, I got to talk to Pat about how he started his real estate career and a whole bunch of tips and tactics that he used to be successful. So if you haven't listened to it yet, go check out State of the Market number 49. On there, I get to talk to Pat about all those different things. You know, and in there too, he talked a lot about his six steps for seven figures book and training program that he built over the last couple of years. And I realized I haven't done a good enough job of reminding all of you lately about all of the resources that we've built for you out there. So if you want to check out Pat's course, we've got like a three-minute summary video when you go to it. It includes so many easy-to-follow tips that you can follow on it, like a day-to-day -day basis. You can email reminders, all sorts of different things that come with that course. If you find that, you go to rebusuniversity.com, R-E-B-U-S, rebusuniversity.com. Look at courses. You can find the Six Steps for Seven Figures book. And really, there's a whole bunch of other courses in there, too. Our normal prices used to be $1,500 or $2,000 a course. These are real deal professional courses. But now, uh, during quarantine, a lot of them are priced down to like $90, bucks, 95 bucks. So we've slashed the prices because we know right now is the time for everybody to be focusing on growth and education, especially while they're feeling like they don't have as much to do. And if you go in there and you figure, like, like there's a lot of different courses you want. 
maybe you don't want to buy the a la carte, you can go to futureofrealestatetraining.com and you can get access to all of our different courses for 97 bucks a month. I think there's a discount on there if you go a year or there's even like a lifetime option that you can pay to get access to every course we ever put on Rebus University for as long as we have it. So go check out those options, Rebus University or futureofrealestatetraining.com. All right, back to your podcast. Sorry for the interruption. an awesome story man yeah so the so 2009 2000 time is when is I, so I was a home builder up until you know 2007 2008 market started crashing in 2009 was the first time we bought you know, a foreclosure on the courthouse steps you know and and for agents that weren't around back then the crash had been happening but it was a really strange time because it kind of feels a little it feels a little bit like now in the sense that some, it was feast or famine some agents had a lot of business agents that were the reo listing agents and the short sale listing agents they had a lot of business people that were the bigger buyer agencies they had a lot of business because people were still buying and selling houses back then but there wasn't a lot of normal sort of inventory and so the banks had picked their most of the listings were reos you yeah know, in vegas especially in northern california and in vegas like 90% of the listings were reos or short sales and yeah, so I- a few of the agents that I know, they basically made a name for themselves in that market. I mean, they absolutely killed it. One of my business partners, he was like the top REO agent in Vegas. And just, he, I mean, he couldn't keep up. He had hundreds of listings and, and he really made a name for himself during that time period. Yeah. Well, I think it was it, what you, what you ended up, what they did have a big need for, you know, what all of us had a need for as we were investors buying was, was contractors, was construction. There was so much construction going on because when, for, you know, when banks were getting foreclosed back then, when houses were getting foreclosed back then, they weren't nice when they were getting foreclosed on. There was so much animosity, like the, you know, one out of 10 houses we would buy was in good shape, but nine out of 10 didn't have cabinets, didn't have anything. You know, people would go through there with bats and dump concrete on it. It was crazy. And so there was a high need for construction. And so yeah. you you came into that. So how did you how did you find clients when you first got into construction in that time before you went all the way into real estate? So I was born and raised in the Las Vegas area, and my dad was a contractor, and then my mom was in real estate, and so I just I had a large network. One of the things that people are like, I can't believe that. Well, my mom was a realtor, but what her main job was though is the Las Vegas or the Clark County school district was growing so fast that my mom was actually on, uh, employed by Clark County school district. Whenever a new school would open, she would work in the front office and help kind of get the office up and running and, you know, kind of help, you know, put things together. So every year from the time I was in kindergarten to ninth grade, I went to a different school every single year. So every single year, I had to meet new people, learn how to become the most popular kid in school. And, and, and then right when I started feeling comfortable, oh, hey, next year you're going to this school with me. So I met a lot of people during that period of time. And it made me become social because I had to, I didn't want to just be the quiet kid in school that got picked on and then leave and go to the next school and be the quiet kid that got picked on. I became friends with everybody. I made friends with anybody that I, that I came in contact with. So I had a large network. So I literally didn't do any marketing. I didn't do anything. I would just get phone calls. Hey, I heard you do. Um, I got a call from one of my friends says that you do residential remodels. Can you come over and take a look at uh, our house? And yeah, sure. No problem. 
a friend would buy an investment like what you're talking about, would buy an REO and say, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about buying this house. Can you come take a look at it real quick before we buy it? Yeah, sure. No problem. So that's when I was like, look, I can do that. I can do the whole spectrum. I can do the purchasing. I can do the construction. Why don't I go get my license? So then that's how it kind of morphed into, I'm going to go get my, uh, my real estate license also. And so referral only really was how I started. Yeah. So the, so a very personal question. So as you went from one school to another, to another, so some people will say, Hey, we don't want to pull our kids out of school and move because they're at a certain age and the, we think it'll be unhealthy for them to move. Did you feel like moving around so much as a kid actually, you know, helped? I mean, it sounds like it made you more successful uh, as a result of it. In my opinion, that's how I'm able to talk to people so freely and openly is that from a very early age, I had to either, you know, you know, fit in or I was out like, and I didn't, and I never had the personality that would just like kind of sit back and, you know, just let people, you know, walk all over me. And, you know, I was never one that got picked on, you know, I was always somehow, some way I ended up through humor and just making people laugh and, and, you know, just being a good person. I always became like the most popular kid in whatever school I was for the short period of time I was there. Um, and I had a lot of friends and, and I just, you know, I learned how to talk to people. You know, my brother calls me a chameleon, no matter what setting I'm in, I'm able to just blend in. And, and, and by the end of the night, it's like the party was for me. I'm not like loud and, and, uh, and like, you know, wanting to be the center of attention. I just talk to people and I get to know people and I make people feel comfortable um, because I had to, that's how I had to, you know, survive basically growing up. Yeah. My, my wife and I have a homeschool book called the five hour school week and the, it's, you know, totally total side note stuff, but there's so many people talk about, you know, socialization and normal school environments and things like that. So I always like to hear uh, stories from people that had abnormal uh, environments, whether it was moving around a lot or anything else. So the, I appreciate you sharing that. So yeah, I, I was forced to fit in. Nowadays you have kids that their iPad is their best friend and I, I can see the other side of it where, where these days kids have a lot, have a hard time fitting in because they don't know how to be social, you know, that's a whole nother topic for a different day, but yeah. yeah whole, whole, whole nother topic, topic where you're right. Being forced to, you know, to meet people being forced to be social uh, and try these new uncomfortable experiences, I think is one of the healthiest things yeah. uh, that, that can be out there. So uh, you had been around, so you said you got rookie of the year, I think was 2015, right? So you'd been in real estate for a little, was that right? So the, yeah, thir- 13 or 14, but yeah. Okay. So how did you, how did you become rookie of the year? What was your first year like? So I know, I know we're going to talk a little bit about the, you know, kind of your, your semi turnkey kind of construction stuff where you, where you help a homeowner fix it up. Were you doing that back then or was there something different that helped you? So what helped you set apart your rookie of the year? At, at, at the, my first year, I didn't close a deal for four months. So I was still doing little side jobs and stuff just to keep gas in my tank. And it got to a point where, like, I I specifically remember the time I was out in Centennial Hills. They had just finished this shopping center and there was a Lowe's that I just got a little bit of material for this job. And I had five dollars to my name and there was a Del Taco. And I had the choice of 
do I get dinner, which was the only meal I was going to eat that day, or put gas in my tank to make it back to Henderson? So I actually, I got, I got three 39 cent tacos and the rest I put in my gas tank. So that was my rookie year. And I just, I was constantly asking myself, how can I get a deal? How can I get a deal? Like 30 minutes a day, like every 30 minutes, I would ask myself, how am I getting closer to my next transaction? You know? And so I was starting to do open houses. I was, uh, at the time I was playing a lot of softball and I was talking to people about it. My first transaction was, I still remember it. It was, uh, it was a house for, for $159,000 in old Henderson. And it was a lead that an agent in our office, um, who's actually one of my best friends was like, look, I don't, it's a guy walked into one of my flips. I don't have time here. Take them. So that was my first transaction four months into my first year. And then from there, my next transaction was a friend's mom moving here from Texas. And then my first year, I closed 20, 19 or 20 transactions. 90% of them were referrals from people in my sphere of influence. And then, and then pretty much my second year is when I started doing more open houses, started doing more open houses that I started getting some, uh, a few transactions from there. But I'll tell you what, if I went back and I looked at my first three years, which would have been about 20, 50, it's about 75 transactions, I would say close to 80 to 90% of my transactions were sphere of influence. My, my own database um, uh, from softball, from either church softball, um, just my childhood, social media, it was all from people I knew. And then, and then next was probably open house. And then I started tinkering around with Zillow when it was, you know, not the enemy. And I had a few transactions from there, but sphere of influence, my database referrals was all my meat and potatoes. So you went four months, no deals. And then you closed out the year with 20 and you had this sphere of influence. But like you just said, your sphere of influence was people you went to church with, people you played softball with, like people that you just were socially, you, you knew them. How did you convert that to customers and to clients? And you know, Storytelling. So the, no, did you, was, how, did you call always, the people? Did you email them? How did you get, how did you start talking to them? Nope. I'd go out to the softball field and, and I would, and I would just talk about real estate. Not like, Oh my gosh, you guys, blah, blah, blah. But I would be talking to somebody about a house I showed like, man, I went and saw this house with a client today and it was a disaster. We're probably going to end up remodeling the whole house for him. And just, and just talking. I wasn't the guy that was in your face talking about real estate. Here's my card. I was just, I would, I would make it a point. I would have conversations by design. Like I would always bring it up. I don't care if you're talking about your kid's soccer. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, my kid's playing soccer too. But the other day I was late for practice because I had to show this freaking $500,000 beautiful house up in Summerlin. But yeah, back to your kid's soccer. Like I would always sprinkle in a little bit of real estate. Oh, that's right. You do real estate. I'm trying to make myself top of mind without beating them over the head with a with a real estate hammer uh, because the way I see it, that will actually push them away because there comes, a, there's a fine line between making sure people know that you're a realtor, that you're not an undercover agent and, and 
pushing them away with annoyance because all you talk about is real estate. And you're trying to like, hey, do you have a referral? Hey, do you know anybody that wants to buy, sell, or invest in real estate? And it just, it's, it, for me personally, it's a turnoff. So I really tried not to do that. Yeah. I love that. As I love, I love real estate for that, right? I love that real estate can be something where really, as you get into it and you know people and you just tell people that you do it, you just, you don't, I mean, there's, there's all sorts of methods. All the people that we interview have so many different ways of going and attacking their sphere and getting the people to get, but really just letting people know, you just have friendly conversations with people. Hey, what'd you do today? Hey, I did this. It's one of the few businesses out there where you can tell somebody, Hey, this is what I did today. And it might turn into a business, right? If you're, Absolutely. your friend's a banker or they're, you know, or, or they're an admin or they work at a dentist's office that doesn't, you know, what did you do today? That doesn't always convert into something that grows their business, but real estate is that unique thing mm-hmm. that just by sitting at the, at the soccer field and talking to somebody about your day, it brings it to top of mind. And three weeks later, six months later. And I think that's a lot of, when you talk about your first four months, nothing happened. And then all of a sudden you had 20 deals. And then the next year, sort those are the those are also the conversations that snowball, right? Yeah. Like you you keep top of mind, you keep top of mind. Not everybody's gonna list their house in the first four months. Yeah, the but first maybe- four months I was I was farming, I was I was planting seeds, I was planting seeds, and then and then and then you know, the last uh, months of the year, I'm reaping the the harvest. So I mean, I was constantly trying to plant seeds and in a way that wasn't repulsive, really. Yeah. Hey, Real Estate Rockstars listeners. I'm sorry to interrupt again, but I want to do a quick commercial break. But this commercial break is different. This is stuff that I think you need. And this is me talking to you about some of the stuff that we had. So, you know, recently we had a lot of people reach out to us and say, hey, why don't you do a real estate mastermind? Why don't you do something where a lot of the listeners can get together and do some Zoom calls and ask each other questions and really just try to brainstorm and work together? I mean, there's a million masterminds out there. I don't know if this is something that we really want to do or not. Or if we do, if we're going to limit it to maybe 20 or 30 people. We're just trying to figure out if any of you guys are interested. So if you have any interest at all in joining a mastermind with real estate agents around the country that are part of the Real Estate Rockstars Network, go to hybendigital.com forward slash mastermind and just join the wait list. It's just a really a formal, it's just an interest list for us to see, is this something we want to be doing? So that's that's number one. Number two, you go to hybendigital.com forward slash foreclosures. We have a two-day thing that we just finished recording. Now it's also inside Rebus University. And so you go to Rebus University and look at it. If you're already a member of Rebus, I'm, a lot of you guys are in the you know the monthly fee where you get access to everything. So we have a new course in there, 17 hours of content on how to buy foreclosures, on how to find deals, on how to you know do title, you know go to auction, also turn that into clients for your real estate agents, how you can turn somebody that's in default behind on their mortgages into a client. So go you know, check out that course, especially for, you know, you can, you can buy the course now, but again, most of you guys already subscribed to all that. I just wanted you to know there's another 17 hours of content, great, great content that I just recorded on there uh, that all of you guys have access to now at Rebus University. And then finally, we have software that we talk about on and off. It's called Padhawk. And in Padhawk, you can use that to go find leads. What, uh, you know, so everyone is really, really busy right now. And we're so, so busy. People are selling and they're saying there isn't enough product on the market, right? So they're, they're, they can't find houses. Well, Paddock will help you find houses before they're listed. It helps you find owners that should be listing their properties or people that might want to get there. I recorded a quick video. It's like six or seven minutes long for you guys to look at, real estate agent specific on what how you can use the software in order to do it. So go to hybendigital.com forward slash leads. 
Again, there's a video in there. I talk about how you can use the software to do it. Check it out. If it's something that you like, you may want to sign up for it. 99 bucks a month that's nationwide any city out there and it is a great way to find houses so right now people are saying there's lots of buyers but we can't find enough houses well maybe you can use this software you'll find something that hasn't listed yet and make them an offer on their house all right back to your regularly scheduled program thank you for letting me interrupt you with that break So tell us about what you're doing now. So now you have an additional niche. So somewhere along the line, you made a transition and said, hey, you've been, you were doing this real estate team, but now you do a thing where you kind of, you help sellers get their house ready by using your construction and your real estate team. What's that like? So I was already kind of doing construction services for my clients. Um, just like, hey, yeah, you want to clean up the house a little bit for, yeah, I can do this. I can take care of that. Hey, don't worry about that. I'll take care of it. I'll have my guys come over and knock this out. And then I'm watching, what was it? It was something with Property Brothers where they're like updating houses and, and something like the guy, the people are going to find the fixer upper, you know, and they, they renovate the house. And I find out, I'm like, how do these people have this much cash to do it? Well, then I find out, no, it's a 203K loan. So they're actually getting a, a loan, a mortgage and a construction loan in the same time. And they're funding it that way. So I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. So I started learning about that. And then I go, well, you know what? I look at the MLS and there's so much garbage on the market that have the old oak counter uh, cabinets, the white tile um, countertops. I'm like, man, these houses are struggling selling for 275. If I went in there and spent probably $6,000, just refinish the cabinets in the kitchen, put new countertops on, I could probably get them 300,000. So I tested my theory with a couple of friends that were going to sell their house. And the number one objective that I was getting was I don't have that kind of money, Colton. Like I have equity in the house, but that's like my savings account. I have, I don't have $7,000 just to go throw it a quick little remodel before we list the house. So I was like, well, I'll pay for it. And they're like, what? I was like, yeah, I'll cover the cost of the, of the renovation. And then you just reimburse me. You got equity in the house. So just reimburse me at close of escrow. You, you reimburse me 7,000 and you'll make an additional 25,000. So you're going to come out profitable on the other end. And they're like, okay. So that it kind of just evolved into what we do now, which is the update before you list program. We cover all expenses. You reimburse us at close of escrow. And then, and then there's the time where, you know, they're like, Hey, the house looks beautiful. I can't find something in the market that's as nice as this. So kind of like the show, love it or list it. They come back and they go, look, we've been looking at houses. I, we think we want to stay. Okay, no problem. Just reimburse the construction cost and you're good. We can give you, we can do a refinance and pull out some equity and then you can stay in the house. So we're helping them from any angle. Um, and then from there, they want to go buy a house. And we're like, when we go show the house to them, I'm pointing out things that other normal realtors don't see. You know, when you and I go look at a house, we have this construction curse, I call it. I'm looking around and I already see, oh, the baseboard's off over here. Oh, they didn't putty the, the seam on the baseboard there. You can see the miter is bad. Like, I'm seeing all these things. So when I go walk a house with a potential buyer, I go, hey, guys, there was definitely a leak under the sink. Look at the way that this is. Hey, look at these, uh, you know, angle stops there. These all got to be replaced and people appreciate that. They're like, I'm so glad I'm walking this house with you because 
I would have never noticed that. And I'm like, yeah, well, 98% of realtors wouldn't notice it either because all they're thinking is, I got to get them to an ex- to, to make an offer on a house so I don't have to show them another house so I can get a commission check. So I've just kind of, if you come from a place of value and helping them and really caring about them, things start to evolve into good things is the way that I've seen it. Yeah. I love that program. We had, we had done some similar things the, for, for clients out in California, kind of around that same time, like, you know, 2011, 2012, when a lot of the times it was kind of, we were house flippers originally, right? We would buy foreclosures, fix them up and sell them. And so then it became similar to where we were like, oh, well, we can, we can help you remodel the house. You pay us back at close of escrow uh, when you do it. And the, it, it, it becomes such a good program. I like the idea too, that some of your remodels were so nice that people said, Hey, we don't, we actually don't want to sell now the, uh, this is what we've wanted it to look like as we get there. So the, and for agents that are out there listening, this is something, if you have a construction company, well, that's great. But if not, you could, par- maybe you could partner with a construction company being it. it now it's really like you're partnering with the seller, right? You're, you're helping them flip their own house. Like somebody else might buy your, if, if, if their house needs updating, somebody might buy it and then they're going to go put work into it and go try to sell it for more. Right. Yeah. But if you do the work ahead of time that you're helping them capture even more, that's definitely a way to add value and set yourself yeah. apart. And I think that, I think anybody can do it, right? Any, any yeah. agent right now, you can find a contractor to partner with and say, Hey, you know, and if you're pitching that idea to a contractor and saying, Hey, you can get more work right now the, by doing this, but you just have to hold on to it until they sell it. Like they've, you know, record a second lien or something. The, yeah. you know, I think everybody wins in that scenario. How many of your clients right now do the update before you list program? So right now we have, well, out of the active listings, we have six and three of them are really update before you like I, I don't consider like paint touch up and like a professional cleaning I don't consider that update before you list that's all a part of our listing um, we already include that so update before you list we have three of our six are remodels one we got about twenty four thousand dollars in a, in an update um, the other one we have about at this point we're up to about twenty six thousand dollars on an update on that one and then about 12 on the third one. And then we have, uh, I have four in escrow, four listings in escrow that uh, two of those are update before you list. Um, That's about half. That sounds like about half or through that program. So you're you're essentially by off, by that extra value add, you're you're doubling your business, right? You're getting, it's like twice as many listings. And your, your customers are going to get more, which gen- generates more to that, you know, word of mouth and, and what's out there. The first thing they say is, what's the catch? <laughs> yeah, There is no catch. Honestly, I get to sell the house faster and I got a better product to sell and you make more money on the other side. So yeah. that there is no catch. Everybody um, wins. And when you're investing alongside them like that, talk about like building trust and faith, right? Well, you're like, well, hey, I'm going to invest my own money. For this. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the main talking points I have with them is like, look, you know, most real estate agents are just here to list your house on MLS, take some photos, maybe even with their own phone and hope, you know, cross their fingers, hope it sells. I got skin in the game now. Like you and me are partners here. Like I, I have, you know, on the one on Opera House Street, I got $26,000 invested into your house. Like I, I, I have, I have anxiety that I need to get this place sold for you. So, you know, there's nothing that's going to light a fire under my ass. Like, having money out there, right? So no other realtor is going to have that type of, of motivation 
if they don't have skin in the game. So, you know, we got skin in the game. A lot of people love that. They love the fact that now you have something in the game. And, and, and so now I know you're doing everything you can to sell this house. Right. And so, you know, otherwise you're just another realtor that's crossing your fingers and hoping it sells. Yeah. So let's fast forward to the one. Of the, so in 2017, you decided to start the team model and the, you know, and so what was, what was that transition like? You know, the, were you excited about jumping into a team? Why did you do that? And the, and how have you made that work? I hated teams. I, 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 I hated teams. I thought teams were like the biggest like fraud in real estate, like the way that I saw it, like I'm thinking, why would you give somebody 50% of your commission Yeah. for what are they doing? Like they let you use their logo and most of the teams, it's like the Colton Simmons team. And so you're going into a listing appointment and you're going, Hi, I'm here to list your house. I work for a Colton Simmons team. It's like, for me, everything about a team was, 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 repulsive to me like I, I thought it was just a, a way for a, a realtor to like make somebody else make them money without really doing anything in return but then I started yeah. learning some about other teams that were bringing some value to the table and then I found out that those teams that were bringing a little more value than others were actually charging 60 percent to be on their team and I'm like <laughs> mind blown. Like how, how is this even legal? So I said, look, I'm overwhelmed. I need to get somebody to come help me because at this point I can't, I'm losing, things are falling through the cracks. I'm not calling people back and they're just not getting good customer service. So I go to, uh, to one of my friends that just got his license. I said, Hey, why don't you come join me? Um, I'm going to start a team. It's going to be the custom fit real estate group. And you can be like a buyer agent. I was like, you know what? You can be a listing agent too. You can do whatever you want. I'm not going to pinhole you into what you can and can't do. And then I go, and then you know what? Just for the first few transactions where I'm going to obviously have to help you because you're a new agent, we'll do 50-50. But then as you close transactions, your split will get better and better and better and better. And then you'll pretty much cap out around 75-25 because I'm going to be providing you with you know, leads, I'm going to be providing you with an office, with a CRM, we'll do events, all these things that we're going to be providing. And then the coach, at the coach I had at the time was like, does your value diminish as they close more transactions? Why would you do, why would you give them more money? I said, no, my value doesn't diminish. However, their value is appreciating. Why would I not reward somebody for their value appreciating. If, if, if he's going to close 30 transactions, he needs to be rewarded for it. If he's going to close five transactions, well, then he should make a, you know comparable pay. So as you close more transactions, you get paid more. That's the way that I would want it if I was an agent. So everything I did when I created my team was if I was him, how would I want it to be? I want to be rewarded for performance. So I have a pay scale or split that gets better and better as you close more transactions. So, and it's a net split. A lot of teams have it's 50, 50, and then you pay your office dues and your fees and your everything out of the 50%. We don't do that. We cover everything from transaction coordination, our office fees, even our MLS fees. After you've closed 10 transactions, we'll cover as a team so that when you get, when you close that transaction, 
you are getting literally 50, 55, 60, 65, 70, 75% of that commission net that's going into your account. All the other fees we take care of. So the, so how many people are on your team now? Right now we have 10 and as of next week, because uh, we have three agents signing up today, we'll have 13 as of next week. So of your 10, how many of them kind of cap out the, and, and, and when they cap out the big services that you said, is it still like, you know, you have admin that helps and then cut down on some of the other fees? So we have, uh, we have two admin staff that are agent services. They help you with everything from flyers to, I mean, setting up open houses to whatever it is. Like literally I only want my agents to focus on talking to people, reaching out to people, communicating with clients and focusing on selling everything else on the back end from paperwork to setting up open houses, everything, ordering signs. I want our staff to do it so that you're free to do everything. So we cover all of that. And then I guess, what was, what was the other part of your question? Well, it was just like, so how many, so what you're covering and then how many of your people are actually like maxing out as team members where they get to start keeping the biggest chunk of their commission? Well, so it, from, from day one, it, from your first five transactions, if you're a new agent, if you've closed more than 15 transactions the year before and you join our team, you start out at a 60-40 split. You keep 60%. You keep 60%. Like nothing else will the team take from the 60%. You get 60%. I pay everything else out of the 40% that we take. So all the transaction fees, all the office fees and everything. Now, if you're a new agent, and you haven't closed that 15 transactions the year before, your first five transactions and 10 transactions are 50%, 55%. Again, they keep the full net 50%. So we don't take anything else out of that. Everything else gets paid by us. So the if, you, if, someone, if someone's listening and they're ready to, and, and they either want to join a team or they're thinking about starting a team, what are, what are some things they should be thinking about and questions they should be asking or things they should be thinking about as they're setting up the team? I think there's two mindsets of starting a team. There's the mindset that I had somebody from the Keller Williams world say, um, cause I said, I don't want turnover. I, I want to keep my agents happy. Like turnover to me is I'm not doing my job. And their response was, you know how you overcome turnover? And I said, what you get more agents. And I'm like, that. Nah, nah. That's not how I want to do it. I want to get my agents. I want to keep them happy. So you got the, 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 the teams that are just like, you're going to start a team and you have the mindset that I'm going to provide this value. It's 50, 50, take it or leave it. And that's my model. And you're and and that's actually easier than what so I like do. a recruitment model, right? Like exactly. keep hiring just team members, keep hiring team members. I know I'm going to lose about 60% of them every year. And I'm just going to keep on revolving door, bringing people in. And that's actually easier in, uh, to me than what I do because with me, it's actually kind of a moving target. Like, because these are human people that have needs and wants and, you know, ambitions. And I want to make sure that they're happy. So there's sometimes where, you know, the splits can change or we can renegotiate a split if you close a certain amount of transactions. And, you know, there's bonuses. We do a point system where every day you have to accumulate four points. 
um, on our point tracking system. And at the end of the month, whoever has the most points wins an additional 5% on their, um, on their commission. So we do a bunch of things based around that um, to try to incentivize them to perform because you get rewarded for performance. The other teams, the other model, it, 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 there is no incentive to perform. You're going to get the same split no matter what. So, so you're, tr- you're trying to create a, a team that lasts and the, you know, and, and, and one that isn't, you're not going to have that turnover. You can have less team members, less time recruiting, more time helping it. If somebody is going to join a team, what questions should they ask that prospective team? If they're thinking about joining and they, they go in and, and, and sit down with you, what, what are the questions that people should be asking to know if this is the right team for them? Honestly, I think one of the main questions that personally I would ask is, all right, 50-50, I get it. I'm joining a new team. There's systems and stuff that I'm going to need to learn. You're going to have to put some time and energy into me, but is there a way for me to make more after time? Is there a way for me to grow? You know, what What are my possibilities? Like, can I grow out of the 50-50? Can I increase that as my production goes up? Because if you're not going to be rewarded for your hard work and, and your performance, and then, then maybe that's not a good fit for you. You know, for me as an agent, when I first started, I want, I like, if I was going to join a team, I would want a place that's going to reward me for my efforts, like performance bonuses and stuff like that. You know, that's the things that I would help uh, that I would want to ask. And then also like, Hey, if I have a question, like, who am I going to be asking? Um, who, who's going to be there? Like, is it going to be you, the team leader? that's already closing 60 transactions himself that will barely have time for me? Or do you have uh, like an agent services coordinator that's going to help me literally write my first RPA, like my first listing agreement? Like, are you going to go on listing appointments with me so that I don't sound like a fool in front of, you know, my, my clients. And, and the other thing that some people do is you're only a buyer agent. For me, I think that that's putting a fish in a very small container and and expecting it to to grow. You're not going to grow if you pinhole them into a specific. Now, you could say, well, they're being ultra-focused on buyers only. At the end of the day, I want my agents to grow. I want them to be better than I am. And and if I'm there helping them grow to be a listing agent, buyer agent, you know, whatever, then if I can help enough people get what they want, I'm always going to get what I want in the end. Like Zig Ziglar always says. So I'm in it more for the agents than necessarily me netting the most money at the end of the year, if that makes sense. Yeah. And you want to ask people those questions because there's a lot of people out there that are just like, no, you can't grow. You're a buyer agent. You get 50%. I like, I like the simple question of what's my future look like and also saying, who's going to answer my questions? Who's going to help me on my first listing? Who's going to help me on the paperwork? Because that's really the person they should be interviewing. If there's a big team leader, but they're not the one that's going to be you know, helping them out, it's like saying, hey, can I, can I meet those people? So we've only got a couple minutes left, but tell us about the Vegas market, what you're seeing COVID related, meaning it's been a lot busier, but we've seen in, you know, in places like you know, New York or San Francisco, people are leaving the, the cities, they're going to like the outskirts, you know, trying to finding something else. Vegas right now is, you know, the casinos are kind of open, 
but some, but the biggest, the, the biggest parts of their, I guess, gambling is probably the biggest part of their, their uh, income, but the extracurricular stuff now, like the clubs, the other things, the shows, the things that people do in Vegas are still closed down. What's the feeling out there? What's the real estate market doing outside? Um, you know, our kids you know, going back to school, what's it look like? Everybody was petrified earlier in the year when this all started going down and we had the shutdown and they thought that our market was just going to completely tank. And things were falling out of escrow, and it was ugly. Soon as we lifted the quarantine uh, and we started kind of trickling back into jobs, it's like somebody turned on the fire hose, and and we haven't come up for air since. There's a lot of uh, agents that are having their best years ever. Um, residential is through the roof right now. Um, houses are selling in less than eight days on the market. We. Out of out of most of our listings, they're they're accepting multiple. We're getting multiple offers within the first couple of days. So our residential uh, market is hot now. As for work, you're right. Some of the casinos haven't gotten full back to staff. Some of the casinos are on like a hybrid schedule where they're only open Tuesday to Saturday. So, but that really affects more of like the lower uh, the lower end of the residential um, world. So our, our market's going, and then the people that are leaving the San Francisco's, the Southern California's, because they're just tired of all that, they come here for the tax benefits and they either rent a home for a year and buy, or they come straight here and go, I can get this house for $400,000. This would be a million dollar house in Southern California. And so they're buying a house and they're, you know, the problem I'm having right now is that a lot of our listings aren't appraising because the market is so far ahead of the appraisals. So yeah. that's one of the, the problems that we're seeing right now is that the price that people are willing to pay for these houses is much higher than what the actual appraisal comes in at. Yeah, that's really interesting to be seeing that right now. I mean, that, that's how you know you're in an increasing market when people are continuing to, to willing to be paid more than others. The, I remember that in 2012 and 2013, yeah. and the market has only gone up uh, since then, as we've been out there, well, the Colton, this was a lot of you know good fun stuff for the agents to be thinking about. I think the idea that you know just being social and just talking about real estate with people helped get your sphere to start trusting you. Remembering that, that takes time, right? It didn't happen right away. It took four months, six months, twelve months. Then you had this new value add that came down to helping people with the you know update it before they list it. I love that program. I think so many of our agents out there could be thinking about partnering with a construction company or having their own construction company do something like that. Really help add that extra value, and then seeing you know it, you also had some stuff about you know, how to structure a team and what to get there. If people want to reach out to you for kind of extra questions, if they want to ask you you know what you include in those updates or more questions on the team, how can people find you? You can find me on I'm more on Facebook than I am Instagram, but just Colton Simmons on Facebook, and then we also have Simmons Custom Fit Real Estate Group on Facebook. You can private message us there. Or you can email me at Colton Simmons at kw.com and that's Colton with a Y. You know, I'm, I'm always here to help. And one and, and just one thing we didn't really touch on just real quick is is right now I always tell my agents it's it is your sphere of influence, but it's about how you influence your sphere. And the easiest way to influence your sphere right now to stay top of mind is social media. You gotta have a strong social media presence. That's the best way to stay top of mind with people. Cause you can, I can tell you a message and then it will take me three months to tell 
50 other people that message, I can do a video and share that to, and 1200 people will see it in the first eight hours. And, and you just got top of mind with those people. So social media is huge, huge, huge uh, right now. Yeah, especially right now. I love that as an ad at the end. Like you said, Colton, it's C-O-L-T-Y-N uh, Simmons. If you find him on Facebook or Instagram or email him out there. Colton, this was awesome, man. I appreciate you coming on here today. The you know, Colton said he might also send us a video of some of the remodels and stuff he's been doing. Originally, we were going to try to do this interview while he was on site walking around. So the if you are listening to this in the car, go check the YouTube video. See if we had a video we ended up adding to the, the end. And if you're on YouTube, stay tuned because maybe we're going to have a video at the end of this. The Real Estate Rockstars. Thank you for listening, Colton. Thanks for being on the call. Hey, thanks a lot. See ya. Rockstar Nation, thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Listen, I need a favor. If you find this free content helpful, if you find our downloadable items from each guest helpful, please, I need you to pull out your pointing finger. Yes, the one finger that points at people and hit subscribe yes subscribe the more subscribers we get the better we look in the ratings and the easier it is to get guests like robert kiyosaki barbara corcoran all the players that are on the million dollar listing in the different cities all that stuff makes it easier the more subscribers we get so please subscribe and listen there's a lot of places you can leave comments there's a lot of places you can like we're on facebook we have an Instagram page. Instagram page is I am Pat Hyben. The Facebook is Real Estate Rockstars Radio. Feel free to leave us comments there. The most popular form of commenting seems to happen on YouTube. Yes, for whatever reason, it's a very open environment. So just go to YouTube and go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio and leave us comments there. Some of them we will read on the show. And we love your feedback. So thanks, guys, and I hope you are having a great day. Oh, and also, listen, if you're going to subscribe and you haven't already left us a, a review on iTunes, please do that, too. Have a great day, and thanks so much, Rockstar Nation. I really appreciate you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.